Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, once again, we have opportunities uh, to bring to you calm and rational discourse on a multiplicity of current issues, and we are covering the Southeast like the dew covers Dixie. Well, I have a special guest with me today, Dr. Kirk Moore. He is a plastic surgeon from Utah, and like so many others that I have interviewed, he's one of those frontline doctors who was treating COVID in his medical practice, and I tell you what, I consider him one of the medical heroes in America today. Dr. Kirk Moore, thank you for being on my program, and welcome well, hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. Well, tell my tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, about your family, about your medical practice. That they, they want to know all about you. <laughs> um, well, I'm just a uh, another simple guy out here in Utah, um, and uh, I finished my training in, uh, in 2001. Started a, a private practice in Idaho for a little bit. We moved to Utah in 2005. And I've uh, been here ever since. Um, I have two kids um, and uh, raise them here. Uh, you know, at my house, my daughter's in college. Uh, my, my son is uh, in a sophomore in high school. I got you. Um, and uh, just, you know, doing, doing what you do, just uh, working every day and uh, trying, to, trying to keep myself afloat. Now, you, you have a plastic surgery practice. Is that what I understand? I do. Um, I'm in private practice, solo practice. Uh, I have my own office, my own surgical suite. Um, and uh, been that way, boy, since 2007, I believe. I got you. Yeah. Now, how did, how did you get involved with, with the COVID war, the COVID battle? How, how did all that happen for you? Uh, well, um, kind of by necessity. Um, I was having um, patients calling me because their regular doctors wouldn't treat them. Um, so I started treating family and friends. I, I wrote prescriptions for all my family, friends, staff for hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax uh, early on, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, all of that um, in March of 2020. Uh, and I think just like you, my, you know, my practice grew from that just by word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and so people would contact me, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, uh, contact me through my office, uh, through my cell phone, through local group, uh, like a group me kind of, um, you know, neighborhood chat type of uh, scenarios and uh, actually show up at my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Show up at my office. Um, I think you had a very similar, you know, similar thing too. Um, but it was just, it was necessity. Um, you know, uh, it, the thing to me that drove me crazy about all of this was when people were told that there was just no treatment and that's never been part of my paradigm as a physician. There's always a treatment. There's always something that we can do. 
Uh, is it the right thing all the time? No. Um, does it solve all of the problems for everybody? Absolutely not. But as long as you have that conversation with people that you're doing the best that you can, and this is the latest data and the latest science and everything else that, that you think is going to help, that everybody's on board. Nobody's going to say anything. Everybody agrees, and uh, and you and you and you're still helping people. So yeah. that's that's where this thing all came from. Well, it frustrated me to no end that that my patients were coming to my family practice and saying, Dr. Jackson, I've had COVID for X number of days. I went to the ER and they told me that there was nothing they could do, take Tylenol, drink fluids and come back when your oxygen sat is below 88. And, and that was yeah. ridiculous. That was craziness. And and, right. and my patients were getting sicker and sicker. And this was back during Delta variant, which was so much more severe. And And, and they would call me after hours, they would call me at my practice, and, and and they were getting sicker by the day and being told there was nothing that could be done for them. <laughs> yeah. And when is the last time we heard that in medicine? You know, that's never been a part of our paradigm. That's never been anything where you don't treat somebody early or you don't intervene and try to take care of them. You know, somebody comes in with a nodule on their breast. Uh, you don't wait till it's eroding through the skin before you go for treatment. That's right. Um, and, you know, that's that's what really frustrated me from just a global medical perspective is, is that how are these other physicians you know, comfortable with saying, hey, there's no treatment for this until you're on death's door. I, I had people calling me from the emergency room telling me that the docs wouldn't even put them on oxygen unless they were on 88 percent literally not put them on oxygen. And, you know, my son went in there with a broken wrist and they put an oxygen, you know, cannula on them four years ago. Um, but, you know, you're not, somebody comes in with respiratory problems, you can't put them on, you can't put them on oxygen. Uh, isn't that like the kind of a standard, you know, standard yeah. intervention that you do for everybody. So yeah, it was just interesting times. I know, I know. And, and you know, once the word got out that, that Dr. Jackson would treat people who had COVID, I mean, I was inundated with phone calls from people that weren't even my patients. And and they would call me after hours. They would drive up to my house. Uh, friends of friends who I had no idea who they were. They were uh, Their friends were getting permission for them to call me and, and say, Dr. Jackson, would you treat uh, my aunt, my uncle, my grandparent? They're really sick with COVID. And, 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 and Kirk, I had a moral obligation to treat these people because I knew that either hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin plus the other elements would make people better in 48 hours and sometimes less. Oh yeah. I've, I mean, again, I had a moral imperative and a moral uh, ethical foundational basis to, to treat everybody. And like I said, I mean, even if not, you know, even if everybody doesn't get better in 24 hours or 48 or whatever the time frame was, um, you know, at least you feel like you're, you know, you're doing something and you're making, and you're, and you're making a difference. And I knew I was making a difference. I mean, I had people get better within four hours yes. with treating them with ivermectin. Yeah. I mean, literally my sister, I called in a prescription of ivermectin, um, and I had to do it at multiple pharmacies because they wouldn't give me the dose that I needed to do. Um, and she was in Connecticut. Um, so I had to call it in as an antiparasitic for her. Um, so that I could get enough dosing for her to have a five-day course. And she literally called me back four hours later and said that she felt better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that happened all the time. I took people out of the hospital 
and out of the emergency room. I just got a call from a neurologist that I treated, went down and did a house call with him because they were trying to give him remdesivir in the hospital and he was scared to death about it. Um, and I brought him out of the hospital, never met the guy before in my life. His office manager knew, uh, knew somebody who knew me and I went down to his house uh, all I asked him, all I asked him to do when he left the hospital was to keep his IV in, and I treated him with IV steroids and ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine both, um, and vitamin C, vitamin D. I actually put him on high dose IV vitamin C, um, and he just called me. Geez, what, what's today? Friday. He called me on Tuesday or Wednesday to thank me again huh. Um, huh. because huh. you know, uh, you know, I'd saved his life. Yeah, um, and yeah. he knew that. Um, and he, you know, he saw what, what was happening in our life and everything else, asked if there was anything that he could do. Um, but he called to say thank you again, and uh, he would be there for us if uh, we needed him as a, you know, as a witness of what, you know, what the treatment protocols and how they work and offers help and his assistance. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it was an interesting time, Robert, definitely. Yeah, it was interesting. I had a patient, I think I told you this the other day, I had a patient who went to India on a mission trip, and while he was there, he bought a $1,000 worth of ivermectin, came back, and he gave me this Ziploc bag full of ivermectin. He said, Doc, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to give it to you. Well, in the height of the Delta variant, like I told you, I had, I had, you know, five or six people a day coming to see me in my medical office, and then I would come home in the evening, and there'd be five or six more call me every night many of whom were not my patients, but deathly ill with the Delta variant, saying, please treat me, please treat my family member. And and I had all this ivermectin, and I was just dispensing it in little Ziploc bags along with vitamin C, vitamin D, Zithromax, and whatever other elements were recommended at the time. And and my patients were getting better. They were getting better, and yeah. so many of them had diabetes, COPD, other comorbidities, and and they were still getting better almost immediately. And I had a constant stream of emails and text messages telling me that their family members were better almost immediately. And it was so yeah. gratifying. And, and I mean, it was saving people's lives, Kirk. It was right. saving yeah. people's lives. Yeah. It, it was I amazing. I completely agree with you. It was, and, and I had the same, same thing. I didn't have people coming into my cul-de-sac or anything like that, but I... You know, I, I had people calling me and, you know, call me about my, your grandma, you know, my grandmother, this or my aunt or, you know, they, they've, you know, they're not being treated by their regular doc. They were sent home, uh, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the scenario was um, every single day. Um, so and I'm, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm not a primary care doc, but I did, I did all this. It was just because they weren't getting treatment anywhere else. And, you know, and like you, I wasn't charging anybody. You know, I. I I didn't take any payments. I didn't take anything. I was doing this all, you know, calling in prescriptions, talking to people over the phone, seeing them in my office, seeing them in my, at my house, uh, you know, you name it. Um, we, you know, we did that and, and we're, and we, and I continue to do that. I still have people calling me now. Um, so anyway. uh, all the folks that called me after hours, I just give it, gave them this ivermectin for free. And they all wanted to pay me. And I said, no, 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 no. I can't take any payment. You're not an official patient. And I, I don't right. know that I can do that. So I treated 50% of the people that I treated were outside my office. And I, I didn't accept any kind of payment. I, the ivermectin came to me free. So I gave it to them free. 
Now, right. they, if I saw them in my office, then I would, of course, charge them a fee through the medical system that I work for. But after hours, folks, no, no charge. I just gave it right. them a little Ziploc bag full of ivermectin that came to me free of charge. I gave it to them free of charge. So same situation as you. Yeah. It's strange times, wasn't it? Yes, it is. And it still continues. <laughs> it still continues to be a, a – and you know what was so amazing and still is amazing that I cannot get a prescription for ivermectin through a standard pharmacy, through any of the mainline pharmacies. I have right. to write a prescription through a compounding pharmacy to get ivermectin for my patients. And they have to pay cash. Their insurance companies will not pay for the ivermectin. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to, and tell these folks that it's uh, for a parasite. I just I just tell them, I say, look, you're going to have to pay cash for it. And most of them will. They'll pay cash right. for a, for a, uh, a five-day course. Now, some of them, for COVID long haul, they need 30 days or two months of ivermectin. Right. And this could cost right. them over $100, and they got to pay it for two months. But the amazing thing is that that ivermectin plus the resveratrol and the melatonin and all those other things that the frontline doctors recommend, it does get them better. It's an amazing, yeah. amazing yeah. treatment protocol. Well, there's some people that, and I think we mentioned this on the phone the other day too, is there are some people that are using this to cure cancer. I've been reading uh, about I, there's that. A, there's, a, there's a doc that I know, um, you know, Kathleen Reddy uh, yeah. on the East Coast somewhere, and she she texted me the other day and said that she has cured stage four cancer um, on four people, esophageal, gastric, prostate and breast, I believe. Um, and she's a surgical oncologist. Um, and, you know, I again, those are anecdotal stories. Um, but, you know, that's how medicine works. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we start with anecdotes and we say, hey, let's you know, let's put together a study and see if it works. And um and then, and then you go to the kind of you, you work your way to a randomized placebo controlled study. Um, but you don't do a randomized placebo controlled study without having some evidence that something works to begin with. And that evidence starts with anecdotal stories. It always so, does. And she's not yeah. the only one. Right. We've, we've been on the Internet. And we've been paying attention. There's other folks out there that have been talking about how ivermectin has been used to um, uh, have amazing benefits in lots of other things. For example, two things I'll tell you. I've had patients come back to me that I gave them ivermectin for COVID, and they've come back and said, Doc, all of my joint pains have gone away. How do you explain right. that? And I said, I can't, except that ivermectin is an anti-inflammatory. And they'll say, well, right. can I keep taking it to treat my joint pain? And I'll say, well, of course you can. It's, it's an innocuous, repurposed drug. It won't hurt you at all to keep taking it. And so they'll start taking it for their joint pain. And then watch this. I had a patient who had ulcerative colitis and been taking other medications for years to no effect or, or borderline benefit. Put them on ivermectin for COVID. She came back and said, Doc, my ulcerative colitis, the pain and the diarrhea is gone when you put me on, on this for my COVID. And I said, well, it's an anti-inflammatory. She said, well, can I keep taking it? And I said, of course you can. And so she's now taking ivermectin for her inflammatory bowel disease. So I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of, of, of medical disorders that we're going to find that ivermectin works for 
and and probably better than a lot of things that we've already been using because it's right. such a potent anti-inflammatory and and probably anti-tumor, uh, anti-cancer medication as well. Not just an anti-parasitic, not just an anti-viral, but an anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer drug as well. Just stay tuned. Keep you right. Keep you right. ears and you're tuned. Seeing, right, and you're seeing a lot of stuff with a lot of these antifungals um, that are coming out too, with the bendazole um, and other treatments that have been kind of poo-pooed and 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 disparaged as uh, you know as ineffective treatments by the medical establishment um, in the past, and and I and I truly believe that the main reason for that is because they're not patentable um, and they are cheap and inexpensive. Um, but there's no money. So in it. There's, there's no money in it for right. big pharma. If there's no money right. in it right. with these repurposed drugs, they will not right. pay for a randomized controlled trial. And you know the, these repurposed drugs, uh, many of them have a major effectiveness for treating cancers or arthritis or or COVID or whatever, but they're not going to study them because there's no money in it for them. Right, right. So you know that, I know that, the general public knows that. And somebody's yeah, they're getting be- to understand that a lot more, aren't they? Yeah, everybody's beginning to understand that. And it's going to pull yeah. the mask off of big pharma. And it's going yeah. to be a huge embarrassment to them. And COVID is exposing a lot of the things about big pharma that have been ugly, just terribly ugly. And, and it's a big weeping sore that that folks are beginning to understand. You know, No argument. You're no, absolutely right. No argument there. Well, Kirk, I, I want you to know I appreciate you. I appreciate doctors like you that are out there on the front line that are willing to do things that are different, willing to do the research. So you, you had to do all that research in the beginning, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't know anything about virology or microbiology other than what I'd learned 30 years ago or more in, in medical school. Yeah. See, I, I, I had to get out there and learn about COVID. I had to get out there and learn about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin okay. and resveratrol. I had to, I had to study. And I'm, I'm telling you, you and I have peers that are unwilling to learn a new thing. And they're unwilling to learn and apply a new thing that goes against the CDC protocol and see i'm just appreciative of doctors like yourself that are willing to learn a new thing and apply it in their medical practice well i don't um i think we talked about this the other day too um i talk about it all the time so it's just part of my current you know current spiel i guess but you know i've never in i mean i graduated from medical school in 1993 so in 30 years i had never been to the cdc website to have them show me what I needed to do, how to treat my patients, what medications I could or I couldn't use, what the dosing was supposed to be, any of that. It was just never part of my paradigm. It was just never part of a, you know, first of all, I was never even taught to do that. I guess, you know, the teaching might be a little bit different now. Maybe they do teach people to go to the CDC and listen to them and listen to those quote unquote experts. But it was never part of what, you know, I did on a day-to-day basis. And so why would I change that now? You know, my medical practice was always based upon, you know, my journals and what I read and my experience. And I would talk to my colleagues and I would talk to people that had, had, you know, similar experiences or had similar patients coming through and say, hey, how did you treat this or what did you do with that? And, you know, and I I think, 
you know, the other side of it is that I did, you know, I've done three humanitarian trips to Ghana. Yeah. And, you know, and so I had a general understanding of antiparasitic drugs. I had prescribed hydroxychloroquine for people. I knew what the side effects were um, or weren't were. I was certainly not worried about any cardiac side effects on a dose of, you know, um, what is it? 200 milligrams? That's correct. 120, you know, and so I knew what that side effect was. I had prescribed it for hundreds of people that had gone on these trips with me. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's, it, and, and so then to see all of the fake stuff that was coming out and people saying that, you know, hey, these people from hydroxychloroquine are getting this, all this QT prolongation. Um, I had already seen it and, and I'd already experienced it and I knew that it was a lie. Yep. Um, yep. Well, you know, so I, I just, I, I was I've been prescribing hydroxychloroquine for arthritis and, and rheumatoid arthritis for for 25 or 30 years in my medical practice. I, I'd never been afraid of prescribing hydroxychloroquine. It was a standard part of my my medical medical kit. You know what I'm saying? And, right. and and they started saying all those things about hydroxychloroquine, and I knew that was not true. And and I'm like you. In 40 years of medical practice, I never stopped, looked at the ceiling, and said, I wonder what the CDC thinks about me prescribing this repurposed drug. You know, I never said that one time. And now for people to, to sit around as, as physicians and let the CDC dictate a protocol to them, that's ridiculous, right. Kirk. It's foolishness. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it, it is. It's, you know, it, it borders on malpractice, in my opinion, for people to not do their own research and for and for somebody just to sit there and, and to allow other, quote unquote, experts to tell you something. And when those experts are not giving you any information, they're not citing any data, they're not citing any studies, they're not doing anything. They're just they're just edict, they're just putting out edicts on this. That's right. That's right. And it was just amazing to me, you yeah. know, and, and so I, I couldn't believe it. And I and, and so and I still can't believe it. Well and um, the C D C are not practicing physicians. Why, why would we why would we listen to them? Right. You know? Right. I think Fauci did his own residency at the CDC or NIH, and I don't know that the guy ever took care of any patients. No, not, not the kind of patients that you and I take care of. No. Not, and and no. certainly not people not who have, to you. Not, uh, <laughs> people who have COVID. <laughs> All right, well, listen, our time is running out. Kirk, I, I want to thank you. Thank you for, the, for being a medical hero. Thank you for being on the front lines. Thank you for taking care of COVID patients. I know that they and their families are eternally grateful for a physician like yourself. The Lord bless you and bless your family. And I appreciate you being on my program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. The Lord bless you. Maybe we can talk again some other time. I would love it. Thank All right. You. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My guest today is Kirk uh, more a, a plastic surgeon out in Utah who's one of the COVID heroes. And I'm just so thankful to, to know him and to have him on our program. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.